The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We're back. It's All Eyes on Cleveland, and I am your host, Brad Ward. Hope you are all doing well out there. As the Cleveland Browns start their final week of practice before cutdown day on Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, they will get down to 53. Then a week later... They will face the Baltimore Ravens. Lots of decisions to be had here on the 53-man roster. We have a special guest tonight. Sean Heimberger will join us. He is the author of thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com to talk everything uh, about this roster. Roster battles, who's on the bubble, who will make it, who will not, how do we fill in for Grant Delpit, all of the above, the pressing questions facing your Cleveland Browns as they face cut down day. Good day at the stadium on Saturday, beautiful, beautiful day, beautiful jerseys. I cannot wait for the season to start. But first, we need to get healthy. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Yeah, baby. We're back in full effect. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I am Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and the twos. Glad that you could be with us. Tonight, uh, you can catch our show where all popular podcasts are found, including iTunes and Spotify and every other platform out there. will be published at the website www.alleyesoncleveland.com. I urge you to go there where we have upgraded the website massively. It's a thing of beauty now. You can go there and uh, each episode has its own page you can go there and leave me a 45 second voicemail by clicking on the microphone and I will play it on the air for you the following week you can go there and uh, read about the show what's up next on the show it's just a thing of beauty I mean this upgrade is spectacular I urge you to go there you can rate our show which is always great I want you to tell me if we're good if we're bad if you hate us if you love us I don't care just feedback is what we want you can rate us right there you know we're going to YouTube soon I uh, last Saturday morning at 11, I was on the Monty Sports Show on YouTube. Uh, for those of you that tuned in, thank you. Uh, it was awesome. So I'm, I'm, we're getting it geared up. Within a month, we want the YouTube channel up. We're expanding. I hope you enjoy it. 
I hope you enjoyed the video. I enjoyed I – th I thought it was great. Uh, Monty, very funny guy, had uh, tons of questions about the Browns. I enjoyed the video aspect of it. We're working the ins and outs of that on this end now, me and Mikey, and, and everybody else that, that's got a hand in this. So it's all good. It's all good there. Uh, we know what else is all good is Thrive Fantasy app. It's brand new. You don't have to worry about the pros. Uh, daily daily fantasy stuff, uh, entering 150 lineups and all that crazy stuff. You just pick your favorite prop bets, and you win. If your prop bets are are uh, a little more of a long shot, you get more points than the ones that are are favored. Uh, but you say uh, for uh, basketball tonight, you take you get 10 prop bets. You're like, oh, I, well, I know that. Uh, uh, Marcus Saul is going to get X amount of rebounds easily, right? So I'm going to take that one. Oh, I'm not so sure about this one. I'm not going to take it. Then you take the next one because you like that one. You pick five out of the ten. You get them all right. You make money. You cash out. Uh, it's beautiful. Get $20 instant bonus when you first deposit your $20. It's the Thrive Fantasy app. You can get it at the Apple App Store uh, or on Google Play. Uh, use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z, when you sign up today. Download Thrive Fantasy uh, by visiting the App Store or www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Legit, though, for real. I mean, like, for cereal. Go there and uh, give it a shot. I mean, you get free 20 bucks. Put 20 bucks in. Use the promo code EYES, E-Y-E-Z. Get 40 bucks to play with. You know, for football, they give you 15 prop bets. You pick 10. Uh, your chances of winning are, like, 80% better than at any other fancy site. It's awesome. It's great. If you love prop bets, stuff like that, uh, it's perfect for you. Get in on the action at Thrive Fantasy. Uh, All Eyes on Cleveland is the name of the podcast, uh, and City is the Cleveland where we come from, so run, as Bone Thugs and Harmony used to say. Just kidding. Uh, tonight, our special... Uh, guest is Sean Heinberger, thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com. He is on Twitter, at thoughtsofrs. We are going to do the exercise of talking roster. Uh, we'll take you through the uh, roster anatomy of the Browns, how it will break down, who we think makes it, who we don't. We'll come back after that. I've got some interesting topics I want to talk about. Big show, Thursday night, don't miss it, Doug Lay Maurice of the Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, and the host of Buckeye Talk Podcast. Big star in Cleveland, Doug Lay Maurice, will join us on the show. That's Thursday night. Don't miss that one. Um, but while you're with us right here, let's uh, keep it tuned in. We'll come back after the interview. I've got a couple quick topics to hit, of course, like I always do here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, but uh, here is the interview with Sean Heimberger, uh, thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com. Go check it out and enjoy the interview. I am thrilled to uh, welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland this evening, a uh, uh, first-time, long-time uh, listener and fan and uh, friend of show, John Heimberger, uh, author of the Thoughts of RS 
dot blogspot dot com. How are we doing tonight, Sean? Doing very well, Brad. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. We've been uh, we've talked about uh, having you on the show quite a few times. It's uh, my pleasure to have you tonight. You're always uh, in a suit. Um, uh, person when it comes to uh, taking in all of the Cleveland sports topics and uh, always enjoy your opinion. So glad to have you on the show and uh, talk talk about some Browns. Now you you write uh, a blog of your own. Uh, Correct. As I said at the beginning, uh, thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about what uh, you write about. I I noticed that you write a lot. Is that right? Ah, uh, I try to every day. It uh, doesn't mean it always works out that way. Uh, we basically, it, it started out as a project uh, where I wanted to leave something for my children and even I, future possibly grandchildren uh, to get to know me a little better as a person where uh, we basically worry about the teams that I like which is the Cleveland teams and Ohio State and the New Jersey Devils. And uh we do a lot of a lot of a lot of boxing, yeah. a lot of boxing. And uh occasionally old school pro wrestling. I don't watch wrestling probably in the last 20 years, but a lot of like 80s pro wrestling if somebody's interested, we'll do a lot of that type of stuff. I and I do a podcast on uh boxing and wrestling as well here and there. So uh it's uh, 13 years old now, and uh, I wow. think we do. I think it's 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 a labor of love, really. Um, like if if you go on to TRS, there's there's no advertising. Yeah, uh, I've been approached through the years here and there, and it's just like, yeah, but I, I I would rather have a lower amount of people read than have have it be in somebody else's hands, and and uh, it's it, it's a labor of love and something that I enjoy doing. And uh, kind of leaving a record of not just sports. I mean, occasionally there'll be some non-sports content, but most of it is sports and or uh, something about me re- uh, recollections from you know me as a kid. Or uh, it, it's not all sports, is what I'm trying to say. It's mostly sports, but not all. It's, so it's you. you uh, it's Sean. It, 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 it's it's, it's a lot of me. And as some say, Brad, a little goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, So I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners will want to go check that out, Uh, especially uh, boxing fans. You don't find a lot of boxing content anymore, so that's awesome. uh, Uh, If you're a boxing fan, I like to think that we do very well with that. Uh, If it's a a major fight, we're watching it and scoring it, and we'll have boxing previews of 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 going into the boxing weekend. And then we'll have, uh, of course, covering those fights. So, if you have the a remote interest in boxing, I like to think we do pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. So, John Heimberger, once again, thoughts of uh, rs.blogspot.com, and uh, you can uh, we'll put that up uh, on our on the Twitter page and everything, and uh, get Sean's Twitter handle out there, which is uh, at th- thoughts of rs. There pretty it is. easy. Pretty easy at Thoughts of RS. So, yeah, and uh, and the link is right there on your uh, header on your Twitter. So, uh, perfect. So, anybody that wants to check it out, it's right there. So, let's uh, brought you on here because I enjoy your uh, Browns thoughts, of course, Indians and Cavs, too, and everything. But 
this is a brown show for the most part so let's uh let's dive in uh, I want to start with you here, Sean, with uh, uh, Logan Ryan signing a $7.5 million deal to the Giants. Um, I wrote a piece for thebrownswire.com, uh, strongly advocating the Browns sign him after Dolphin went down with the uh, injury, um, the Achilles injury, which he will miss the entire season for. Uh, back end of this defense, if they're going to run that cover three, and they're going to want to use that kind of viper position uh, where you're going to have a guy that you want to play up in the box. Uh, uh, he can, you know, play up at the line of scrimmage, uh, cover linebackers, I mean, cover, pardon me, linebackers, cover tight ends and cover the slot, and then also uh, be the deep guy. That was what Delbert could do. They don't really have anybody else that can do that on the roster. Logan Ryan could. $7.5 million. I mean, Andrew Billings opted out, Sean. He was $3 million freed up. I mean, you're telling me the Browns couldn't offer him like nine or something like that? I, I mean, they have the most cap room in the entire league. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that he slipped through the fingers here. Well, I, I was very jealous of your piece because I, I did a piece the same, uh, roughly the same day, and I read yours, and I said, oh, my God, I forgot all about Logan Ryan. So if you go back on TRS, you'll see that we didn't mention Logan Ryan, which is uh, an oversight on my part. But I, uh, he, he, there has to be more to it unless the guy really wanted to get home. And I know Logan Ryan played for Rutgers, right. and, I, and there's probably a connection with the Giants' new coach from, from New England. If it's beyond that, then that's got to be on the Browns uh, because I, there, there's a need. And he's probably the one guy that is available that could do that. That, that could do what Delpit was expected to do. There are guys that bring some, par, some portions of that available, but he's probably the one guy that could probably do all of that. Yeah. And $7.5 million does not seem oppressive for a one-year deal. Now, I'm sure the Brown, if if he would have wanted nine or ten, and he wanted a three-year deal, and you're expecting Delpit to be back uh, for the for uh, 2021, I can see where maybe they didn't want to get stuck in that situation. Perhaps it was a deal where Ryan wanted a longer deal to come to Cleveland, where he was more than willing to take a shorter deal to go to the Giants. I, I don't have, I wouldn't have. I don't have access to that kind of information. Yeah. Uh, but I would understand if it was offered like that, say, hey, look, if you guys want me, I want a, uh, a longer, a multiple-year deal. I could understand the Browns being a little reticent to say, hey, look, we just drafted this kid. We're basically looking at one year, and if you play really well, maybe we can find a place for you elsewhere in the lineup. I can understand maybe they didn't want to do that. But that still doesn't change the fact that there's a huge hole. I was so high on Grant Delpit. He was my favorite draft pick yeah. of all they did. Uh, I was really excited about him. And yeah. uh, this this is a huge loss. They're going to have a lot of problems replacing what he would have brought because it wouldn't have been long before he'd have been in the starting lineup. Yeah, and uh, most definitely he would have probably played the majority of the plays. I'm even guessing probably week one because of the they're going to want. What they want to do, it seems like, is put some safeties on the field is what their, what their plan was a lot of the time because of the uh, deficiency of linebackers. So, um, and, Don't and get me that, started on that. Yeah, so that uh, that position was crucial, and, and as uh, 
Joe Lynn said he was ideal for it. Now, you make a great point. I didn't even think about him going home. That's where he's from, New Jersey, right? Uh, and uh, Rutgers and everything. So that I didn't even realize that's going home for him, and that does make sense. Now, he just the, – the interesting thing is he, he just fired his agent, and his agent waived the five-day period so he could sign on with the Seagal guy, who also represents Grant Delpit, strangely <laughs> enough. So, it, 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 it kind of seemed a little bit convenient, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I was trying to draw dots there, draw a line that wasn't there, I guess. Uh, and uh, I was hoping, and uh, but I guess not. So I got asked. I went on a, on a show on Sunday morning on YouTube, the full Monty show. I had a great time, and uh, we're taking this show to video here in the next month, so it was good to get on the video uh, aspect of things there and, and all that. But uh, they asked me a lot about Earl Thomas. Multiple times they asked me about it because they, I guess I, they just didn't believe me with my answer that I didn't want Earl Thomas to come play because for the Browns because, you know, that cut Seattle cover three that we're going to play some of that uh, Joe Woods is going to bring over and probably, I mean, not all the time going to play in that, but sometimes going to play in that uh, defense is what, Earl Thomas grew up in and probably knows it better than Joe Woods knows it, to be honest. Um, so he would be a perfect fit for that. But I just don't think that we have the infrastructure to handle a guy like that right now. And uh, culture-wise, I just don't want to mess with it. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, that's where I come out. What are your thoughts on Earl Thomas? Probably not that harsh. Okay. Um, uh, but... There, I, on the outside looking in, you have to assume there's some type of uh, issue there between yeah, I mean, between the stuff with his wife and then fighting with Chuck oh, Clark. Geez. And Baltimore yeah. didn't and, – and and look, let's be honest. See, I, I, I don't live in Ohio, everybody. I, I live in Hagerstown, Maryland. Okay. So I hear a lot the, of Baltimore uh, Ravens uh, stuff. You live in the DMV? The DMV? Uh, I'm about an hour and a half from uh, the DMV. If you if you are if you are coming from Ohio and and, uh, most Ohioans from Northeast uh, Ohio will know this, and you want to drive to Baltimore, Washington, you take the beautiful Pennsylvania Turnpike, and you will get off at Breezewood, Pennsylvania, uh, noted as being the land of motels. And to get from Cleveland or any anything in north to north central Ohio to get to Baltimore, Washington, you're passing through Hagerstown on. uh, on uh, I-70. Okay. And uh, we have a minor league baseball team that's about to get cut away when baseball does their silliness here in a couple of days. That's really about all the town is known for. Okay. Uh, but anyway, back to my original point. I, I, I ramble sometimes, Brad, so you have it's to rein me quite in. quite all right. No worries. <laughs> You'll have to rein me in at times. Uh, Earl Thomas, so we see the Ravens a decent amount. when we're If I'm not watching the Browns on Sunday ticket, we see Ravens games here. And for as well as Earl Thomas played last year, there was a disturbing amount of getting beat deep, not being there for the help coverage. And I'm more concerned about that he's lost a yeah. step than I have than I am necessarily the culture. Although, look, the the most common phrase in sports right now when a new guy comes in is we're going to change the culture, and it's an easy and lazy take 
uh, a nice generic phrase to be used by uh, the new people that are coming in, coaches, GMs, etc. But in this case, my gosh, uh, who needs a new culture more than the Cleveland Browns? Right. But uh, I'm more concerned with Earl Thomas on this, that, uh, the fact that he's lost a step, that I'm not sure that he can do – he's not the player he was at Seattle. He's not at all. He's not even close to the same player. So, don't, so you don't, don't you, you don't have the ball skills and the roaming aspect that he that he had there, but yet he's not physical enough to move to a to be more of a in the box type safety. Yeah, I, I just I'm more concerned. As, the attitude questions are a legitimate uh, are a legitimate complaint. I'm more concerned about. I'm not sure his skills fit what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, as far as to the scheme, he's a perfect fit. But as far as what he can do now and his, his uh, right. diminishing skills, I agree with you. I, I think it's pretty well known across the NFL that he's not the same guy that he was. Um, now, you know, would that be an easy fix as far as what the Browns are trying to do? I don't know. I don't. I agree with you. I think he's a little weak to play in the box. Uh, at times, we, we saw him get dominated a little bit last year in the run game, right, at times. He's never been the most physical guy. Right. He He's I, always he's been better, more like Ed Reed than physical. He's more yeah. of a roamer than he if, – if you're going to compare him to the all-time great safeties of his era, he's, he's closer to Ed Reed than he is Palomalo. Right. I, I I just he knows the scheme that that I think he fits. But but you put it perfectly. The skills have diminished enough in certain areas that what made him such a fit for that system in Seattle, I'm not sure is a fit for what he does at this stage of his career. Yeah, and and my thing is this, right? So if there if you could pick like guys like this that that have like the, the purple bag on them, right? Like the well, we've got to find out the details about this guy before we sign him, right? Or or he could be a problem in the locker room guy because uh, he went to wash his car. He was late to practice because he had to wash his car first, Sean. Uh, so uh, th- this guy, that's the type of guy we're dealing with. So, But, but Pete Carroll, Seattle, they can handle those kind of guys, and they couldn't handle him. Baltimore can handle those kind of guys because they have that culture. They couldn't handle him. So could the Browns handle him at this point? I don't think there's a chance, and I don't even want to find out. It's not worth it to me. Uh, and, you know, and look, and look what Pete Carroll put up with. He yeah. put up with a lot. You know, the guy gives him the finger in the middle of the game, and, and Earl Thomas was no angel uh, when he was with Seattle, and they tolerated it a lot. And – Baltimore, uh, not exactly a, an organization known for for uh, intolerance. I mean, they employed Ray Lewis for his whole career. I mean, they they Baltimore tends to overlook a lot of that stuff, but yet they cut him really quickly into camp, and so that was is the real red flag to me that there is a potential problem with Earl Thomas because I I just look at that and I say. This is Baltimore's a team that keeps a lot of those guys and gives plenty of multiple chances. Yep. And he came to camp, had one problem, and it was see you. 
that to me is a really worrisome point. And maybe I, I would I the the one thing that I tell people because I love I love the draft and and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to I'll get to my point in a second I promise Brad. Um, and, but the one thing I tell people for all the work that guys like me and the guys that are a step or two up above me on the on the ladder the Dane Bruglers and the actual draft people that make a living by this. And then compared to the actual teams that are doing it, they, the edge, the number one edge they have is access to personal information on a player. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have that. Ex- uh, when I'll give you a brief example, and I'll uh, I'll open myself up to criticism, but that's the great thing about the blog. I never edit anything. The mistakes that I've made in evaluation are there for God and everybody to see. I really liked Justin Gilbert when he came out. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite corner. Mm-hmm. And my buddy is a Steeler fan, and he rubs that in my face constantly. And I, <laughs> one day I, I said, let me ask you something. What was wrong with Justin Gilbert on his tape? Nothing. What was wrong with his, speed, with his uh, athletic ability? What was wrong with his numbers? Nothing. Okay. I didn't know the guy didn't like to get out of bed. I didn't know the guy didn't like to practice. I didn't know the guy didn't want to return kicks anymore. The teams know that, so that's their fault. If, if yeah. they couldn't figure that out. So I, I preface that there's plenty that we don't know when it comes to what a player is doing in the locker room or in their, in their personal life, but the teams do know. And for Baltimore to say, we've had enough of Earl Thomas speaks volumes about the problems that he may have. Hey, and just from what we do know, let's just say this. You, you give the finger to an organization that you've won a Super Bowl with, right? And you're going off on a cart, and you'll give the finger to them, right? To yep. your home fans and everybody in your sideline and all that. And then, and then, his personal life. I don't know how many people know the story about what happened with his wife, his ex-wife's wife. I think it's his wife. Uh, but I mean, that is a crazy story, and not. I mean, it made me look at him in a different way immediately because she came over there to find him in bed with another woman and his brother. So he was in bed with his brother and another woman, which is just a weird, just weird in general, right? <laughs> just really yeah. strange, right? And then the, and that was his wife who found him there. You know, and, then, and then reportedly the wife beat the hell out of him. Right. She had a knife and, and, and then a gun. and uh, but But he had left there fighting originally he uh, he left his phone on uh, Snapchat or something, so she found the location on him, went to the location, busted in to find him, another woman, and his brother in bed together. How weird is that? Like that made me kind of just like like what? I, 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 I but but you know, Brad, you've kind of I think we've got the answers to the Brown safety situation. We need to call up Earl Thomas's wife. <laughs> apparently she's yeah. apparently she's got some hitting ability yeah seriously uh <laughs> what a bizarre situation though and and that made me kind of look at him differently and then you know this whole thing with uh as they said it was a fight it was a build up if you ask anybody that really knows it, it was a situation that was building up to this point with baltimore Probably starting last year at some point. So, uh, 
to wrap all that up, I, I just would – I'm good with leaving Earl alone, you know. As am I. I'm with you. Yeah. So, I mean, they can – I'm sure that they did their due diligence on that, but do I think that he – if he was still Earl Thomas of old, I would be – more willing to roll the dice on him, but do I think he's that same player? I think we both agree that he's not, right? I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, he's uh, he's not, not well. I mean, he's not the same player he once was, and with the warts and everything, I, I think I think you're it's okay to take a pass. And and, and you know, I'm going to give the Browns credit if they do take a pass, it's a positive thing because all too often you get certain coaches, certain you know, GMs, and not not necessarily to say that this is Stefanski and Barry or anybody else. Sometimes you can talk yourself into being the miracle worker. He'll listen right. to me. He'll listen to me. I I have great rapport with players. I can blah, blah, blah. He'll do this. And more times than not, it doesn't work out. You can't – if a guy's got problems, he's got problems. And I think at this stage, Earl Thomas has got problems. Yeah, that, you know – there are guys that if you put them in a new atmosphere and a fresh start, that I feel like that can make a huge difference. But we're past that with them. Yes. And I think that I think when that happens, um, it, it's I'm in the middle uh, tonight of writing the the Indians trade yesterday. Where yeah. tonight I'm writing about the players the Indians got. Yesterday I wrote about Clevenger and Allen going away. In sports, sometimes there's a, a real argument to be made that a guy needs a fresh start. But the there's time. a difference. But there's a difference between a guy needing a fresh start because he hasn't developed on the field compared to off the field problems. Generally, off the field problems don't go away. There's exceptions, but generally, they don't go away. You could a different environment may help a guy that just, that has been a disappointment on the field, but he hasn't been a problem in the locker room. Hasn't been a problem with the day to day, the day to day things that you do in sports. But a guy that hasn't has disappointed you. Sometimes a change of scenery can do wonders in sports for those type of guys. But very seldom do you have a guy that's got major problems off the field and come in and it works out it, all too often those problems come with him so i i'm with you i'm i'm anti earl thomas uh mainly because i what convinces you that the cleveland browns would be that team to turn things around for him i i don't see anything it's sometimes you can make arguments oh well you know this guy played for this guy or this guy does this I don't see any of those things here. Um, whether you believe in Kevin Stefanski or you don't, or whether you believe in Andrew Barry or you don't, there's no connections to Earl Thomas, really, that, that, that you would say they would pick somebody and he would have that connection. Also, Kevin will knock him in the line. Well, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But I, I just don't see where that works here. And some teams have built systems and organizations that handle that well. Perhaps the Browns will. They haven't to this point. And every time they've tried that, it hasn't worked out. I, I, I'm firmly with you on passing on them. Yeah. So when it comes to that position now, I guess I 
where I'm at with it, Sean, and you can tell me. All eyes on him. Special guest tonight, Sean Heimberger. Also, thoughts of RS uh, uh, on Twitter and thoughts of rs.blogspot.com is where you can read his stuff for sure. Go do that. Um, but we, yeah. So where we're at with replacing that position now is, for me, uh, I'm not. You know, I don't think red wine is ready yet. Um, so. I mean, I, I certainly he'll play this year, and they're going to need him to, but that's the kind of the position I would like to protect him from having to play a ton this year because I'm okay with with uh, Anderson Deho, and, and uh, I like Carl Joseph. Now, you know, what they do, but neither of those guys are Delbit, right, or or, or Logan Ryan or, or what they need as far as, versatility goes when you're going to play that Viper position and play uh, with, you know, three safeties on the field. So the question is, can you find somebody Saturday 4 p.m. is cuts, right? Saturday 4 p.m. is cuts. Uh, you know, the Browns are going to practice this week uh, starting today all the way through till uh, Friday. They'll be in the stadium again. Um, so they're going to be in the stadium on Friday. And then uh, Saturday they're going to cut down to 53, and everybody is. And there's going to be players available that have connections to Stefanski and Joe Woods that they may want to go out and get. And I think that's the path that we're going to be end up seeing. As I would be shocked if we don't see uh, some secondary help uh, when it comes uh, to Saturday, late Saturday, Sunday. I think you're probably dead on. I mean, how, how many how many times have we seen through the years, Brad, when somebody, the coach or the defensive coordinator or the GM comes from a certain place and you start seeing a parade of people that once were with those teams? When Mangini was in town, everybody that once wore a jet yeah. helmet was here. And then, you know, uh, you've had, we've had Eagles. Was it Tom Heckert? Everybody was an Eagle guy. And, yep. and, and, and I, so I think this time you're going to see a lot of 49er defenders, and Vikings in general, and maybe a sprinkling of Eagles uh, from Andrew Barry's uh, tenure there. No question. I would not be surprised if they took somebody that had, or even two uh, players that had some familiarity with uh, with Barry Stefanski and or uh, Joe Woods. Who that would be, I don't know, because I can't say that I've looked at the Viking 49er roster or uh, – uh, yeah, co- who, I, who is a possible cut, but yeah. The, yeah, there's been there, there's some interesting veterans. There's some interesting veterans on the line. It, it depends on what they want, and I don't think those guys bring everything that a Grant Delpit would do, but the question is, do you want to pay them what they're probably going to want? Do they want to come to Cleveland? And even if they do, can you plug them in right away at this crazy time, without a training camp, I mean, um, I, I just wonder if you do that, are, are they going to? Are you going to hire? Are you going to bring a guy in? He's going to get hurt right away. Then you're paying him for nothing. I mean, uh, Tony Jefferson's yeah. available. I know Andrew Barry really wanted him in his first tenure. Uh, I wouldn't even be anti, you know, Eric Barry, with, even though with all of the uh, injury history he has, yeah. uh, if he wanted. Sometimes guys have something to prove. I mean, I, I would be – but it depends on what these guys want. Here's, Do you here's want, what I think about that, Sean. And, and I – you know, Eric Berry, was, uh, I agree, but I think it's too late for that at this point. It's just like 
with the protocols of this season in place, you know, um, and certainly you have to keep in mind that when you're thinking about replacing Delpit, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna find a guy as good as him. No uh, way. Or as virtual as him. A, B. Um, you, so you just gotta maybe find a couple guys that can do some things that he did to fill that spot. Now, do I want to take somebody off the street to do that? In Logan Ryan's case, yes, because he's—I think he's a special player. But part, but B, no, I don't really want to take anybody off the street at this point. It's too late. I need to take somebody that's been in camp, been in shape, been playing football to the extent that they are playing football in this this off season, which isn't very far, uh, and then. Um, you know, put him on the team and realize that you're replacing him for 16 weeks, not just week one. So I, I agree. You're, you're, re, you're reinforcing my my original point because that that's the the main questions you have with the Tony Jeffersons and the Eric Berries and the one guy that I really like but comes with a little bit of baggage as well. Why hasn't anybody signed Eric Reed? I mean, he's played at a high level of production. For the last two seasons, he comes with he does come with some baggage, but I, I guess in the end, you're, you're taking a risk in the COVID era. Can those guys are those what kind of condition are they in? Are, are they ready to go? And and I questioned, like you said, taking anybody off the street, even though that may be a superior player. Do you want a superior player that is at? 60% of what he is compared to a guy that's been through training camp and is somewhat ready to go. Uh, I would probably lean towards a to bringing in somebody that's been in the uh, in the training camp or whatever. I wouldn't even be against talking to some of these teams and, you know, is there a player that does not fit what you're doing? Uh, much like they did MJ Stewart, who I honestly might be a guy that in-house He's a little small for corner, but he has the kind of athletic ability that makes me think he would probably be a better safety than a corner. Yeah, the, or, or lack of athletic ability. I agree. I, I think that, that to, to be honest, uh, I did some research on this, but Jason White, EM Tampa Bay, uh, wanted to move him to safety. They just never did, really, because, of necessity, and he proved that slot corner. Now, you know, the book on him, MJ Stewart, is, and I think he, he could be a nice player that can help, but he's just not fast enough to play corner, and he's right. not athletic enough. He's not he's short, he can't jump, he has no vertical, and he's not fast enough. So good wide receivers are going to beat him like a drum. And uh, so if you transitioned him to that safety because where his strong points are, although those are his weak points, his strong points are playing up towards the line of scrimmage. He's physical, he can tackle, and he has a high football IQ. Yep. So if you want a box safety or a guy that can come up and maybe guard tight ends and and fill that void, he might be able to do that, although they haven't transitioned him to that yet because of Kevin Johnson, you know, uh, getting a lacerated liver and falling out. So he's been forced into action once again in that thought corner. Here's a good question for you, Sean, on this topic. 
the best three corners on this team, hands down, in my opinion. Denzel Ward, obviously. Greedy. And then Terrence Mitchell, I think, is the best, by far the best corner on this team. But because they're all outside, labeled outside guys, Mitchell has not seen the field that much, only when the, one of those two outside guys has gone down. Why can't they find a way to get all three of them on the field in the middle? I would think that would be the that would what you said earlier when when you when you have a guy like Delpit who you're expecting to be this Swiss Army knife, which has become the popular term in, in football. Yeah, and you're expecting that from him. It's always going to hurt when you have to use two or three guys to replace one. But the Browns may be in a situation where they may have to mix and match certain guys' strengths in certain situations, and that's going to put a lot of stress on Joe Woods. And it's going to put a lot of stress on the defense, but they may be in a situation where they may have to put Terrence Mitchell on the field more often. They may have to gamble in certain situations with an MJ Stewart because they just they are they're in a spot now where they are lacking the guy that can do many things that they're going to have to go with a guy that has a strength in one area and gamble that you put him in the right place at the right time. I, I personally like Terrence Mitchell. I think he gets the main problem that he, that he's had is uh, at Kansas City was they they put him in a he wasn't put in a in a position to succeed. I, I think as the third corner and finding him on the field more often, I, I like Terrence Mitchell. Oh, I think he's very good corner. I think he's I think he gets start a lot of places outside. Um, but I mean, I think if you had to move one of those guys inside, it would almost I mean, he's the one that's quick enough to move inside. You just worry about him playing the run and getting beat up. Um, yeah, so. Greedy's not going to tackle anybody, and and I, I, I would agree with I would agree with that as well. That if you were going to move one of those guys inside, I'd be more likely to do Denzel. Yeah. Um, so I, I just wonder how they haven't found a way to do that yet. Now the good thing is that. Strangely enough, I didn't know the timeline on Kevin Johnson, but it sounds like he's going to be back sooner than later. So I think they'll have their nickel corner that they want in place for at least a couple weeks into the season. He's week to week. He's been at practice, uh, I guess, it, so it isn't quite as serious as it initially seems. Same with Matt the, the, Wilson, which is good news. The, the last I had heard about uh... – Kevin Johnson, and this is probably a few days old. He might might be back by with a little bit of luck by week three. Uh, that seems to be a little optimistic, but he's certainly not going to miss more than I would. I would certainly expect him to be back by week five or so. Yeah. And if they can do that, that, right there is a whole bunch of things that you open up. You can do more things with Kevin Mitchell. You can, or uh, Terrence Mitchell. You can do more things with MJ Stewart. You can maneuver them around a little bit because you've got your slot corner. Yeah, which brings me back to the kind of my main point. The whole thing is, I just, I just wish like last year they did like Terrence, they because Terrence Mitchell is labeled as an outside corner, or they feel that's where he's best, and Certainly he is, but I think he's a better option than some guys, maybe MJ Stewart or whatever, to get on the field uh, more than them if they had to 
in, in the slot or whatever or in sub packages. Uh, I would just like to see him playing more than sitting behind Denzel and Green. Like, it's great to have a good backup, but when he's better than the guys that are playing, it makes sense to find a way to get him on the field. That's just kind of my common sense on all that stuff. Well, well, Brad, I would agree with that, and, and sometimes that is part of the problem with, with uh, football especially, but other sports as well. You get guys that are so in love with their system that they're going to run what they're going to run, yep. and, and instead of taking the best advantage of the talent that they have, the and in the case of Mitchell, it could very well be that that they feel, they don't want to they're asking for different things from their inside corners than they expect that, that or, or that they believe that he can do. I wouldn't necess, I would to me I would suspect that the best way to go with a safety core right now that let's be generous even if everybody was healthy um, would have questions. You would have a rookie. You would have a a slowing veteran and and uh, and and the Sendejo. And Carl Joseph, I like a lot, but has had trouble staying in the lineup. Yeah. Even if everything was 100%, you would have concerns with the uh, the safety group on this team. And now, especially now that you have safety depth issues, I wonder if if this is a situation where we're going to adjust the system to – they're going to adjust the talent to their system rather than vice versa. And – I, I would think that would make a lot of sense that it would be a way to get your best guys on the field more often. I think too often in uh, football we fall into the trap of you, you fall into the trap of my system, whatever I'm running is got all the answers no instead of instead of getting the best guys on the field at all times. How many times have we seen that uh, in Cleveland where everybody? Yeah. Oh my gosh, they've been doing this. Well, I'm doing this, and I'm going to come in and flush everything out. And then yep. it, it happens constantly, and it's it's an it's an ego thing. And yeah. every it everybody's is. got an ego. You have one. I have one. We all have egos. But I think coaches in the NFL, particularly coordinators, where you're going to install your system, which is the reason that they brought you here, is because of your success with what you do. And by golly, we're going to we're going to do my system, even at the expense of putting the best lineup on the field. Yep, I agree. Uh, it happens all the time, right? Uh, How many times yeah. does it happen in Cleveland? It's 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 uh, yeah. it's, it's unreal. All right, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Sean Heimberger with us. Sportsofrs.blogspot.com. Uh, is where you can get his material. Uh, so let's just go through a couple things here, uh, real quickly on the roster. It's kind of, is a hot topic right now, right? So uh, I just want to get your thoughts on a couple things as far as uh, you know who uh, who's going to make it, who's not, that sort of deal. Uh, get your get your thoughts on some bubble guys here before we let okay. you go. Okay. Uh, let's do wide receivers. Uh, so if we look at roster allocation, right, uh, well, let's start quarterbacks. Obviously we know running backs. Who's your running back three right now? So you've got two running backs and a fullback. So at least one spot left for your running back.
back three. Who do you think makes that spot? Uh, if I had to guess, I- I'm leaning to maybe Darnish Johnson for the special teams aspect. Agreed. Hilliard wouldn't surprise me, but I, I, if I had to pick one, I lean towards Johnson. I agree. I agree. Hilliard uh, has has been disappointing, in my opinion, a little bit. So, um, wide receiver. So, interesting enough, little side note here. In Minnesota, they only kept five last year, but traditionally you'll keep six on a 53. Uh, we know the first two, OBJ uh, and Jarvis. Uh, probably know the next couple, but let me see. What do you have at like three, four, five, six? I, I think you, you you're keeping. I think you keep Higgins. Um, yeah. I, I think that's almost not just a PR nightmare, but considering the other guys around him, he's not inferior to any of those. And I think in the right situation, can be quite productive. I yep. think they keep Peoples Jones because yep. of the athletic ability, and Natson as a as a return guy, and I think uh, Kadero Hodge as a, a special teamer and occasional wide receiver. Interesting. Okay. All right. I see. I think I don't think here's where I, I differ on this one, and in my opinion, and it's interesting you said that because I like Jojo Natson, but I don't, I think it it'll, it'll be. They got DPJ, Peoples Jones, returning kickoffs in, in practice and in training camp and stuff. Uh, I I think it's like either him or Natson, and you spend a draft pick on Peoples Jones, and he's more athletic and he's a better wide receiver, so I think he makes it and Natson doesn't, honestly. Um, that's my opinion. That's my personal opinion. And I think that they will keep Damian Ratley instead, but that's uh, that's just where I'm at with that. So. If you re- and, and I will say this, I, it's with me with Natson. It's not, uh, and, and I love Natson. It is more along the lines of, if they think they have somebody else to return kicks, there's a position that they could, as a pure receiver, Natson's behind all these guys. Yes, exactly. Um, if they think that they've got somebody that can return kicks, I, I think uh, Ratley's probably the guy that benefits from that. Yeah, I think so too. I, some people like Taewon Taylor for this roster. I I don't. I, I like him as a player. I don't dislike him. I just think that Rat, Ratley has a higher upside at this point. Um, and, and more physical skills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think you're dead on with Higgins, Peoples Jones, probably in that order right now. Um, and I think that you know. Not much to Stefanski go uh, 11 personnel, three wide receivers, but when he does, it'll be one of those two, I think. Um, now, Kadero Hodge is your special team's ace and turning into a pretty good damn receiver. So, I like, I think Hodge is a lock. Uh, I think they like him a lot. I agree. And then, uh, so it would just come down to that sixth guy. So, that's where it's kind of interesting that they only kept five last year. But I I think it is probably between Natson, Ratley, and Taylor. Um, so that'll be interesting uh, to find out there what happens. Um, so O-line 9, D-line 9, they're going to keep. There's no real big controversies there. These are line buffs. Now, when it comes to defensive back, you, anybody, you know, obviously, they'll probably keep six corners. So if we go 
Uh, let's do this. We can do this here. This will be an interesting exercise. I like doing this every year. So, uh, so if we do go, you know, greedy and Denzel, right? Um, and then you go uh, Mitchell. So we'll, we'll and Johnson. Just just cornerbacks for now, and Johnson, uh, and and MJ Stewart. Uh, who do, who else makes this team for, as a cornerback? I I think it's from what I've heard it may very well be Donovan Olumba. I've heard That's, great things about him. Yeah. Um keep in mind I'm not I don't have practice access, but people that I listen to and respect have said that he's having a great camp. I would also a possible could be Taver Thomas for the special teams aspect, but from what I'm thinking and hearing, I'm thinking that it's Olumba gets the last spot. Yeah, you nailed it, brother. So uh, it's uh, Alumba is just looks different out there. Donovan Alumba does. He is a big corner, uh, like six two, two ten listed, but he even looks bigger than that because our corners are kind of smallish sometimes. So I mean, he is a big, big corner, and and he is at times he can't shut down the whole side of the field, right? Uh, I mean, you get a really bad angle on training camp live. I've watched every single one of them, but he has been impressive. He's been impressive. I think he's played his way out of the roster. Um, and then I think that uh, I think that uh, after Alumba, I think it is Javier Thomas, uh, and he may be on the 53 uh, because the special teams or the make game day 46 until Johnson's back. Um, and then you probably make a decision between MJ Stewart and him on game day, and he probably has an edge over MJ Stewart at times because of his special teams. So, right. Uh, but he'll at least be practice squad if he clears waivers, etc. At safety, uh, so I agree with you, and you nailed that one. I have them all in the same order there. Um, at, at safety, you've got, you know, Uncle Drew, right? Uh, I think it's hilarious they call him that. Um uh, so they've got Uncle Drew, and you've got um, let me get my uh, thing right here. Carl Joseph, and it, you know, Red Wine is going to make the the fifty three. I I don't think anybody else on this team will last past Saturday night or Sunday. Yeah, I think when you look at the safeties, I I think they're I think they're going to go three, and there may be a fourth on the roster, but he's coming from someplace else. Yeah, they'll probably have a fourth on there. I, I get the feeling it, it would probably be maybe Javante Moffitt. I know they're the you know, UDFA they've been trying to give a good chance at. Um, JT Hassel, they kept on the practice squad last year. So one of those guys will be on the KG3 at the end at 4 o'clock Saturday, but they probably won't be come 4 o'clock Sunday. In my opinion. Right. You, you know how it always works, Brad. There'll be a flush yeah. of guys that come in here between two to six of these guys that will make it for one day, and then once the waiver wire is clear, there will be new guys in here. I suspect that the that at least there will be one new safety in town, maybe uh, I, even two if it's the right guy. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and then you hope that that uh, – uh, I, I hope Moffitt clears, and, and he probably will, and Hassel clears. He's a good story. I'm fine with those guys on the practice squad. So. Um, and then, uh, so offensively, uh, let's go back to the offense here. The, okay. The one big one uh, after that, you know, linebacker I think is pretty much self-explanatory at this point. 
Um, but tight end, the Browns have five NFL-level tight ends. Um, traditionally, you keep three. Do you think they only keep three, or do you think that they find a way, cut cut maybe a, a D-line or an O-line or, some, or even a corner or something or something somewhere to find a way to keep Farrell Brown or um, Steve uh, Carlson? I think it's possible that they find a – is it possible that – Maybe they don't like a safety on the waiver wire, decide to take their chances and keep an extra tight end because of their offensive needs. I think that's possible that they look at it and say, look, uh, I don't see a safety here that's an upgrade over what we have. If we cut one of these guys, we're going to lose him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's entirely possible, Um, and I wouldn't rule out – I, I wouldn't say that it's going to happen, but I wouldn't rule it out that somebody bites on Njoku and they uh, and they they move him. I would not surprise me. Ooh. I would rather see I, I would rather see that because Harrison Bryant has been so impressive. He won the media's award for best uh, best player in camp this year. Uh, that they just came out with to say so whatever award that is, I I, I don't even. I forget what the name of it is, but media gives out best player of camp uh, when training camp's over every year. So Harrison Bryant won that, and certainly he deserved it because he caught every ball that went his way. He he was very good. The fans he had nothing but positive things to say. Said he's focused. He said that young man is focused and intense and knows what he wants to accomplish. And I mean, he's been spectacular to be honest. Um, has good chemistry with Baker already. Njoku uh, certainly can be a weapon. Um, Browns are going to play out of 12 personnel with two tight ends a lot this year. That's what Stefanski does. Here's my thing is I think they probably want to keep Farrow um, because the other three aren't great blockers, and he is. He's the one pure blocker on this team at tight end. Uh, I I think the easy and lazy take is is always to cut the blocking guy because he's the guy that you think, oh, his reception numbers are low, et cetera. But in many ways, a blocking guy is harder to find a tight end anymore than a receiving tight end. I, I, I'd like to see him find a way to, to keep Brown. Yeah. It, like I'm not saying that they're going to give Njoku away, and I'm not saying that I think that they will – shop him, but it would not stun me if somebody, and, and right offhand, I don't know who that somebody would be, somebody floats a pick or two, like day three picks, and Cleveland says, you know, if we cut bait now, we can keep all these guys. Yeah. And they, yeah. And, and if they do if they do that, that's how they can keep Stephen Carlson and Pharaoh Brown instead of having to pick between them. Uh, and considering what Njoku, for all of the physical talents and for all of what he, the potential that he has, we were talking earlier about a guy who may be better suited to go elsewhere. It might be that time for Njoku. And I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade him for a seven, but if somebody said a five, I might listen. Maybe you can get a player for him. 
Yeah, well, somebody might you might wind up being able to say, "How about we'll, here's your safety that yeah, we desperately that's need," what I was thinking. Uh, Maybe or I mean, or a linebacker there, yeah, that we desperately need. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 the great things that, that that I think that the Browns do have right now is they're not they don't have the people running the team at at the, at the coordinators and the head coach and uh, Andrew Barry. They're not all guys from one organization, which sometimes happens, and mm-hmm. then you become in love with those guys. Like I mentioned earlier, remember when Mangini, anybody that once wore a jet helmet was coming to Cleveland? Yeah. Stefanski's got the Viking tree. You know, Barry knows the Eagles and the Colts to a lesser degree. Uh, Woods is San Francisco. And, and so you have access to a couple different teams where these guys know about those particular players very well. And and you also have contacts with the front offices of those teams, and maybe you're a little more likely to make a deal. And uh, yeah, you know, San Francisco, even though you think of George Kittle, I mean, a guy like Njoku and San Francisco as their second tight end, should they have a defender that would appeal to the Browns and they could get that done? That's awful interesting. Yeah. They're, the only problem with them is they got, they're kind of right up against it. In the cap, uh, cap, prob- cap problems, yes. Yeah. The the uh, uh, the worst thing the worst thing that you can have for making deadline deals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, if you as uh, Mike Florio always says, the cap is like math, right? A math problem. What do you do with a math problem? What do you do with a cap problem? Well, you just simply solve it. So <laughs> uh, it's not like you can't move things around and figure it out if you really want to get something done. So well, um, well, my, my favorite phrase with that is is. Uh, make numbers work for you instead of numbers. Instead of you working for numbers, make numbers work for you. And there you then they'll, there's a way to shuffle from column A to column B to column C to column D without ever having to do a direct way of doing it. If there's a will, there's a way. And, and I'm not saying that'll happen, but I, I love that. It's entirely possible that somebody can say, "Look, you know, you guys have have problems at these couple positions." Uh, we're going to probably cut this guy. He may not make it to you on the waiver wire. Or if it's a veteran guy, he may not decide that he wants to come to Cleveland, may choose somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and here's your way to get this guy. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that they will do that, but I think it might be something to explore because I really do like all of their tight ends. Uh, yeah. And – with the money he's going to make next year, since they've already picked up his option, I think they would be amenable if the if there was a reasonable offer. Because I would think if they cut Brown or Carlson, they're going to lose him. There's yep. no way they're going to clear. And I would agree. I, that I would, would be an option to improve the team, be it for twenty or twenty one would be to float that out there now and see if there's any takers. Don't give him away, but realize that you're not going to get for him what you put into him. Deal from a position of strength. So I agree. I agree. I I think all those guys will end up on a roster, so uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, So that's good. I love doing that exercise. I'm glad that you were here to do it with us, Sean. I've had an absolute blast. I definitely want to do this again. Um, You have been a fantastic guest, uh, and uh, 
your intellect is uh, great. So I hope you have enjoyed uh, your first uh, appearance on All Eyes on Cleveland. Brad, thanks for having me. This has been a ball. I uh, uh, A couple years ago, I did a podcast of my own that wound up uh, going under, and I, I always enjoy being able to express my views to people that are uh, interested in, and, and people such as yourself that uh, challenge you and challenge the way you think. And uh, maybe next time we can talk about Baker. i got plenty of things to say about him. Oh, you know it. We can do it for sure. Uh, hopefully – Hopefully it'll be uh, all positive stuff here after these first couple weeks. It'll be a telling time for for Browns fans, uh, Sean. So uh, our guest tonight is Sean Heimberger, Thoughts of RS, at Thoughts of RS on Twitter. Go to thoughtsofrs.blogspot.com. Weighing in on all things pressing for the Browns here this evening. Uh, Thanks again, Sean, and uh, any uh, final words? Ah, just thanks for having me on, Brad. I'd be happy to come back anytime. You just ask, and I'll make the time. Great job, sir. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. There it was, the uh, interview of the night with Sean. Sean was excellent uh, as he um, went through the exercise of the Browns roster with me, the anatomy of the roster kind of, who's on the bubble, who's not. Follow Sean Heimberger at uh, Thoughts of RS, at Thoughts of RS on Twitter. Check out his blog for sure. Just a heads up, don't miss on Thursday with his uh, first appearance on the show ever, the one and only Doug Maurice of The Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, and host of Buckeye Talk Pod. Uh, he will be a tremendous guest. I love Doug Maurice, uh, and uh, I am thrilled to have him on the show. So make sure you uh, set your alarms for that on Thursday. Go to alleyesoncleveland.com. Check out the new podcast. I was talking about it today online. We have a mailbag session here tonight we're going to do here quickly. And uh, in the um, with the mailbag now, and one of the features of the new po- uh, website is that you can go there and click on a little microphone icon in the bottom right corner that has uh, 45 seconds for you to leave a voicemail. If you have a Browns take, you want to get on the show, just you know, an opinion on something, ask a question, any of that, go to the website, hit the little mic, leave a message, and we will play it on the show. Uh, on Thursday, uh, or anytime you leave one, it's open all hours for you, twenty four seven. Leave your Browns take, get it heard on All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey's on the ones and twos, killing it tonight. Good job, sir. As always, a gentleman and a scholar, Mikey is. Uh, so, 
Let's uh, get to the mailbag. A couple other things here real quickly. Uh, Stefanski's availability today. Let's do a quick wrap-up on that. Uh, He said they wrapped up installs last week. They will start implementing schemes for the first couple of weeks of, of games, so a.k.a. the Ravens, right? Talked about Jacob Phillips making strides, uh, just needs more consistency. Harrison Bryant uh, was awarded the top player in camp via the media. Congrats on that award. It was funny that he said congrats on that award like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just weird that he said congrats on that award to Harrison Bryant. Like He's probably thinking, what in the hell? Oh, man. Anyways, uh, talked about Shredder, said that him and Greedy are day-to-day. I don't know if I necessarily believe that at this point. Um, but he did say they asked him if we would see Shredder on the field this week. He said, we'll see. Mm, okay, so Nick Harris, rookie playing center, rookie playing left tackle. Not ideal for week one versus the Ravens, if that's how it goes down. Greedy being out, okay, they'll put Money Mitch in there. That's fine. Um, Money Mitch had a better camp anyways. Be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be real about it. Um, I thought this was interesting. Question asked to him uh, what he was happy about uh, with what went down at the stadium scrimmage-wise. He said he thought they played mostly penalty-free on both sides, which, I mean, come on. What a breath of fresh air that would be, right? No penalties. So, outstanding stuff there. Uh, that's Stefanski's presser. It lasted six minutes and four seconds today. They'll be back in the stadium on Friday. Cuts, remember, on Saturday. Let's get to the mailbag tonight, Mikey. You have my paper, sir. Thank you. Good man. All right, so, in the mailbag tonight... Uh, we have, and we've already talked about some of this, but we'll hit it here real quick. NEO against the world. Frequent flyer in the mailbag. Thank you. Since two questions over tonight. Who will the six wide receivers that make the team be? For me, they are OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Hollywood Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Kaderil Hodge, and Damian Ratley. That's who I have as my six as of right now. He talked about JoJo Natson in the interview. I like JoJo Natson, but if Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to return kicks, you don't have a need for JoJo Natson because really he's not going to do anything in the receiver game. Uh, it allows you to keep another receiver. If they do keep six, noteworthy. I've noted this several times. The Vikings only kept five wide receivers last year. Heavy tight end offense. If you're looking for a place to trim to keep an extra tight end like Farrell Brown, could be that sixth receiver. We'll see. You know, Ratley has looked good. I mean, when he's on the field, he looks great. Physically, he's all there. He's great. But, you know, he missed a lot of camp again. 
we'll see what happens. But I think he's the sixth guy if they take a sixth guy. I think Hodge is a lock with his special team stuff, and I think they think he's a um, rising entity as far as a wide receiver goes. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a lock, and I think Hollywood Higgins is a lock for sure. Uh, second question from NEO against the world. In uh, This is the All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag. Uh, what position do they most need to bolster? Well, I would have said linebacker at the beginning of all this, but they've already tried to bolster that, right, with Malcolm Smith. He's in there, former Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Taki Taki, Goodson, and him are your top three guys. Whoever they keep for depth there is fine. They may, you may see some churning of of the depth at the linebacker position come cut time. We'll talk about that in a moment. I've got some names for you. People are always asking what names, names. I've done some studying. I've got some names to watch. Cut, cut time names. Stay tuned. Okay, so I would say safety now, though, is the most uh, important position to bolster coming up on cuts down to 53 on Saturday. The Land Sports with the last question tonight in the mailbag. Uh, at RBS underscore corrections. I love that handle. Well done, sir. Uh, Who is the Browns' next best option now that Logan Ryan signed with the Giants to replace Delpit? Um, And then he wrote, Rethink Earl Thomas? Question mark. No, period, exclamation, is what I would say on rethinking Earl. However, it's a good question. We've talked a lot about it tonight. But here, here's what I got for you. We Everybody says, I need names. Who's going to be cut? Who's going to be available? So we did a little studying here. So let's look at a couple guys at each position that could help out, okay, that are, that are on the bubble or probably going to get cut. Let's start at linebacker. There's a linebacker in uh, Los Angeles now, I almost said San Diego, for the Chargers, Denzel Perryman. Good linebacker, middle linebacker, could help a ton. Now they went out and drafted Eric Murray. Perryman's been dinged up. He gives them a little bit of cap relief. He lost his starting job. They got a guy named Drew Tranquil. They like better than him. And obviously the first-round pick, Kenneth Murray. Perriman is likely to be cut. Is he an upgrade over our depth? For sure. So keep your name, you know, there's a name. Linebacker, Denzel Perriman, Chargers, likely to be cut. I think could help with depth at linebacker. Let's go to cornerback. Now, we don't really need outside corners, so my focus here is on the slot corner back area where Kevin Johnson is going to be out for a couple weeks 
probably with the lacerated liver and in my in MJ Stewart who I think will play a role for the Browns in coverage straight coverage he's not fast enough tall enough or athletic enough to really guard good receivers he's good up in the line of scrimmage great football IQ why they wanted to move him to safety in Tampa Bay GM Jason Light wanted to why I think the Browns should maybe think about moving him to a box safety. He can guard tight ends a little bit, but you put him in the in, in that slot against good corners and ask him to play man-to-man, he's going to struggle. Here's a couple of names. Vernon Hargraves III. Vernon Hargraves III was cut, released, by the Texans, and then re-signed this offseason. Um, he doesn't have a deal. His deal doesn't guarantee with the team, so no dead cap. Uh, the he, 2016th, 11th overall pick, uh, so they would save $1.3 million by cutting him. Um, They signed Eric Murray in free agency, and uh, they drafted a guy named John Reed in the fourth round. Murray um, is a converted corner. He played um, – that does his best work in in the slot. So he's probably going to be on the team, and Reed – their draft pick projects to be a very good nickel corner, which is Hargrave's specialty. Um, he spent most of his time last season in the slot. Now, on the outside, they've got Bradley Roby, Gary and Conley, Lonnie Johnson Jr., so they're good out there. Uh, this is the Texans we're talking about. Vernon Hargraves, the third, very likely to be cut. Good slot cornerback. Browns kick the tires, I think. Uh, Troy Hill from the Rams, drafted um, in the third round this offseason, a guy named Terrell Burgess. Uh, he's listed as safety, but plays, uh, is renowned as a, a good slot corner, nickel corner. They're probably going to play him there. Uh, that may make... Uh, Troy Hill Expendable, who is a good cover uh, corner in uh, that situation. So look for, uh, potentially, potentially, I think, Troy Hill uh, to be cut and available from the Rams. And um, you would have, uh, let's see here, he, he would the, they would save about $4 million in cap space if they cut him. So... You know, with their third round selection probably being their best option at slot and him saving them four million, they don't have any cap room that you know, they allowed what, Fowler Jr., Littleton, uh Roby Coleman, their their kicker, Zerline to leave in free agency. Uh they're barely under the cap. So four million dollars is a lot to them. Look for Troy Hill as a potential slot uh available cornerback from the Rams when it comes to cuts. Last guy I've got for the slot corner, uh, Akilo Witherspoon, San Francisco. 
He lost his job to Emmanuel Mosley last year. Um, and you know in San Francisco they're going to be running, and they do run, the uh, same at times defense that the, probably the Browns are going to be running a lot of that cover three Seattle press bail. This is a guy that a lot of people were high on. Um, they uh, really like this DeMarcus AC kid. They're going to try to – he's 6'2", 205. They're going to try to give him, you know, preference to make the roster uh, after, you know, three years of starting in the SEC. Uh, if Verrett, their other co- little corner, Verrett, stays healthy, um, then – and DJ Reed Jr. continues to improve for them – uh, they might be comfortable moving on from Witherspoon. They would save $2.1 million uh, by cutting him, and uh, they don't have much room either out there. So Akilu, uh, I think I'm saying that right, Akilu Witherspoon, highly regarded uh, cornerback, knows the scheme, good scheme fit, San Francisco, uh, played for Joe Woods, make that connection. Maybe uh, he gets cut. He could be a Brown, I think. Let's also, let's stay on that theme of good players. San Francisco's got a bunch of them, right? Joe Woods came from San Francisco. They run the Seattle Cover 3 uh, press bail, uh, as well as some other things they're probably going to run in Cleveland. But safety help, right? They got a safety out there named Marcel Harris, okay? Harris is probably going to get cut. Um, he was a sixth-round pick in 2008. He's 6'1", 216. He played at Florida. Played under uh, Joe Woods. I like this guy. He's very good safety. They just have abundance of guys that play safety out there. Um, and I really like Marcel Harris if he gets cut to get picked up by the Browns, make that connection with Joe Woods, come play safety for the Browns. He uh, he is uh, regarded as a box safety, but he does a ton more. He's a very talented guy who is really coming on as far as development goes uh, as a cornerback. He, he's done a lot to impress. He had a very good camp. He's making it hard for them to cut, but it's a numbers game out there and a cap game. So he might get cut. If he does, I like the Browns to go after Marcel Harris. Write it down, take a picture, whatever you need to do. The other safety I would mention, Justin Evans tore his Achilles last year. He was a um, high second-round pick, I believe, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, They only have $3.5 million available under the cap. He relieves them of another $1.2 million if they cut him. He's still lingering uh, foot injury. He's made 21 starts uh, out there at safety uh, or down there at safety. Justin Evans is another name to keep your eye on, Uh, you know, from the the way that Bruce Arians was talking about him, they asked about his like his uh, his standing injury wise, and and basically Arians was like, I don't know. He sounded really frustrated. I don't know. Only Jesus knows. He said literally, like this was his quote about Evans. Uh, he sounded fed up. So if they cut him, 
and he can play and his foot's okay, that would be another guy I would look at that would improve that safety room in the immediate. I think Marcella Harris is the guy, but Justin Evans is another name to keep your eye on. Obviously, there's so many players in the NFL that, you know, are going to get cut that may have connections that I have no idea about to this coaching staff. These are just ones that uh, look like good fits that there's documentation on right now about them potentially not making the team. And then a couple guys in there from San Francisco that we know played for him that seem like good fits. Akilo Witherspoon, Marcel Harris, linebacker Denzel Perriman from the Chargers. No connection there, but a good middle linebacker. Going to get pushed out by Drew Cranquell. uh, Drew Cranquell. Tranquil, pardon me, a first-round pick, Kenneth Murray. Um, Troy Hill, slot corner from the Rams. Uh, they got his replacement in the third round in Terrell Burgess. He might get cut. Uh, Vernon Hargraves the third, very talented cornerback. Injury issues. They took his replacement, Eric Murray, in the slot. They like him better there. He's going to get pushed out uh, from the Texans. They actually cut him once already and re-signed him. He gives them cap relief. The main things you're looking for here are guys that are losing in the numbers game, are very talented, can still play, provide a team with cap relief that needs it, might get cut. This is where you're going to get value. Akilu Witherspoon is the main one I would circle as far as uh, the most talented cornerback of those guys and the one that uh, is a scheme fit and connects to Joe Woods from San Francisco. And then the major one I really like is Marcel Harris. think he's going to lose his job out there. Might not make the 53. Very good player. Young player. Coming along. Six-round pick that's really coming along from just a box safety to being able to cover and do the whole thing. Knows the scheme. Knows Joe Woods making uh, connections there uh, from uh, drawing the line from one dot to another. Uh, and then Justin Evans was the other name I mentioned at safety. But main ones, Marcel Harris, Kilo Witherspoon, named some other guys with Joy Hill at the slot, Vernon Hargraves at the slot, Justin Evans at safety, and, and uh, Denzel Perriman, Chargers linebacker, potentially could be available. So there are some names for you to answer your question. Uh, in the mailbag, uh, and also elaborate on it some more. I think the Browns are going to need to churn the bottom of the roster at safety and linebacker a little if they want to get legitimate depth in there. And really, at safety, they need a guy who can... He doesn't have to be a replicate of Delpit because that kind of um, versatility is not found often, right? But they need a guy who can get on the field with Uncle Drew and with Carl Joseph and let them play Taki Taki and Goodson together out there in a two-linebacker set so they can do that in the cover three. They can do that in their man-to-man, whatever else they want to do with the defense as far as scheme goes. But... um, those are good fits, and those are some names. So there you have it. Did a little research for you here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight. 
Once again, please go to the website. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast. We've got our podcast first podcast fantasy league going. You can see the results on there. You can rate the show, which I would always appreciate. I've got the store on there. You've seen everybody repping the new All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirts. You just click on store right at the top. It'll take you right to the t-shirts. You can buy one if you like. You've got all the episodes available on here on any of the platforms that you want to. Uh, I appreciate any rating you want to give me. Uh, It's all good. Um, and, uh, so go check it out and you can subscribe there as well. It's a, it's a pretty cool site. I really like what they did with it. Check it out at alleyesoncleveland.com. This has been another episode. Like I said, uh, stay with us for Thursday. Doug Lay Maurice of the Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com going to join us for a, uh, another huge episode here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, and with that... Uh, We're going to get up and out of here tonight. I hope you enjoyed, uh, got through the exercise. It's going to be an interesting week. This is the last week of practice you're going to have, even um, before cuts. But even Stefanski mentioned, you know, they're going to get into some scheme, he said this week, for the first couple weeks of the season, which I took as many the Ravens. I doubt they're going to be scheming for the Bengals or the... uh, uh, Washington football team <laughs> this week, uh, but yeah, so it'll it'll be uh, Ravens start getting ready for the Ravens this week. Get another look at some of these guys. Uh, should have a pretty good idea who's going to make the fifty three at this point. Now you will have an initial fifty three on Saturday at four p.m., but I don't expect that to be the final uh, thing. They'll be scouring that wire for some of those names, maybe that I mentioned, and plenty others. Um, so, uh, but those are just a couple to keep an eye on. I hope you enjoyed All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. For Mikey on the ones and twos, my name is Brad Ward. We are out. These days, all the girls is down the road. I hit the strip club and all them bitches find the pole. Plus, I've been sipping so this shit is moving kind of slow. Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go. Now tell me how you love it You know you at the top and all the heavens right above it We own It's young money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright Now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch You dig? I got my gun in my boot purse And I don't bust back because I shoot first Meet me on the fresh train. Yes, I'm in the building. You just on the list of guest names. And all of my riders do not give a f- X games. Guns turn you boys into, into, into sex change. And I smoke till I got chest pains. And you just know I rep my gang like Jesse James. Women are possessive and they want to possess Wayne. I've been fly so long I fell asleep on the p- p- plane. Skinny pants and some vans. Call me Triple A, get my advance in advance. Amen. As the world spinning, dance in my hands. Life is a beach, I'm just playing in the sand. Uh, wake up and smell a p- You can't see me, but never overlook me. I'm on the paper trail, it ain't no telling where it took me. Yeah, and I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Now tell me how you love me You know you at the top and only heavens right above it We own It's your money, motherfucker If you ain't running with it, run from it, motherfucker Alright, now somebody show some money in this bitch And I got my bees with me like some honey in this bitch You dig? I got my gun in my 
was never said. Beautiful black woman, I bet that the better red. Limping off tall, cause I made more off my second leg. Bird, bird, Birdman Junior, 11th grade. Fall on automatic start. I can hand it to Drake, I do a quarterback draw. Wildcat offense, check the paw prints. We in the building, it's in apartments. Uh, not, not come on, be my blood donor. Flow so nice, you ain't gotta put a rug on her. Do it big and let the small fall under that. Damn, where you stumbled at? From where they make gumbo at? Hang, got the f- beat jumping like a jumping jack. And you know me, I get on this bitch and have a heart attack. Hip hop, I'm the heart of that. Nothing short of that. President Carter, young money Democrat. Uh, now tell me how you love it. You know you ain't.